lump off mom what's wrong with me can you keep your evil doing quiet finn is dealing with some heavy stuff over here unacceptable i'm not cut out for adventuring finn you messed the beat up i just want to sit here and moan then i'll moan with you buddy It's Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast from the Infinite Guest Network. I'm John Moe. I'm one of the hosts of this, along with rapper and host of the Secret Skin podcast, Open Mike Eagle. Hello, Mike. Hey, John. How are you today? Well, I'm okay. Um, I'm a little remorseful, though, because I screwed something up. In our last episode, we talked about the evergreen episode of Adventure Time and the various elements and the elementals, including the slime elemental. Uh... I mixed up my princesses. I said that Slime Princess ran a library, but that is not right, as many, many people have pointed out to me. Turtle Princess is the one that runs the library. Slime Princess is the one that lives in a kingdom and has a sister named Blargatha and makes eggs. I understand the difference. I'm sorry for that mix-up. Apologies to Slime Princess and apologies to Turtle Princess. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Coming up later in the show, we're going to hear from Nikki Yang, the voice of Lady Rainicorn and BMO. I think my, my acting was so flat. That's why it worked out as a robot. <laughs> <laughs> That's Nikki Yang. We're going to hear from her later in the show. She's going to tell us about the episode that made her cry and why she thinks BMO is kind of a snob sometimes. But first... Listener emails. We asked you to drop us a line with your thoughts on the ideas and notions brought up during Conversation Parade, and you have responded. We've heard from Jim from Greendale, Wisconsin, who says, You mentioned that Susan Strong is a fish person, non-human, but it was revealed in the Super Porp episode that she is human with some sort of implant on her head. It was shown when she tore off her mask. There were no gills. I actually believe that she is related to Finn, too, but I actually think she is his older sister. I picked up on the bunny mask in the pile of bones as well, so my personal theory is that Fiona is Finn and Susan's mother. Uh, Yeah, Jim also explained that when Fiona died, she left... Uh, young Susan to care for Finn. This is Jim's theory in the human territory, human, H-Y-O-O-M-A-N territory. But when Susan then ventured up to the surface, she got scared and left Finn, her younger brother, behind. Man, I've been hearing all sorts of people responding on specifically on the Susan Strong issue. People have strong feelings about Susan Strong. People have strong feelings about um, every little thing we talk about, John. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, like every everything we bring up is a minefield. How did I, this happen? I, I'm astonished that people in a comment <laughs> section could have strong feelings. Uh, <laughs> what is this? The internet? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Carrie from Silver Spring, Maryland, wrote to us. She says, "Thank you for talking about the way Fiona looks. I'm a woman, and I love that universe, but that's bothered me from the start." The boobs I can let slide if she's 13 to 16. That's a thing that happens to girls. But she's dressed much more maturely than Finn, and the whole shape of her body is way older looking, curvy and womanly versus Finn being essentially a rectangle with arms. 
Uh, And on the opposite side of that issue, another listener writes, I was frustrated by the comments made about Fiona, the way she is drawn and how she dresses. As someone who was at one time a young teenage girl, I extend to you my own take on Fiona. First off, Fiona is a cartoon. That being said, she does represent a certain type of person, a 14-something-year-old girl. It is around this time in most 14-something-year-old girls' lives that we are graced with menstruation, and along with this often comes more developed bodies and the ability to be pregnant. At such a young age, all of these changes can be stressful, confusing, and unwanted. Fiona represents a very vulnerable stage of life for young girls. She goes on to write, as hosts of a podcast, you do hold some power in a listener fan base. I ask you to be careful with this power, especially when you use shameful, although I imagine unintentionally shameful, language when describing a cartoon as provocative when she represents a stage in life shared by half of the world's population. Um, All right. Well, thank you so much for those thoughts. Love having that kind of dialogue about these issues. Love trying to figure all this stuff out together. Uh, From Leo in New York. One, he says, loving the show. Keep doing it. Thank you. We shall. Two, in the nidosphere, Marceline's dad begs Gunter for his soul rather than just taking it as he did with everyone else. Given that we now know he is Orgelorg, this was clearly an early indicator of his true identity. I caught mm-hmm. that. I, I caught that earlier Nidosphere uh, episode, and and uh, yeah, Hunson Abadir does get the get the willies when he's around Gunter, and it takes a lot to get the willies into Hunson Abadir. Yeah, Gunter, Gunter uh, is going to take some unpacking. Yeah, need to understand Gunter, Gunter's Gunter far terrifying. more. Also, John from New York wants us to look into the Mushroom War. His email is as follows. How did anyone survive the Great Mushroom War? Specifically, how did Finn's family line, Moe, Susan Strong, and Ice King survive? Was there anything special about them? Does anyone remember what life was like before the Great Mushroom War? We know so little about the Great Mushroom War. Historians, apparently historians didn't survive to write comprehensive textbooks (laughs) about what happened because... We don't even we don't have know. any cave paintings at this point. No, no really, no mushroom paintings appearing on any kind of charred oh. surface. We got VCRs. We got plenty of VCRs, but we don't have. Yeah, uh, there's lots of tapes lying around. <laughs> there's a lot of tape. Whatever the mushroom war was, video cassettes are immune to its uh, destruction. I have been thinking, and and I'm not sure if we want to get into this right now, but I've been I've been thinking a lot about plastics. Really? And how plastic stuff seems to have survived in some way. Some stuff. Anyway, I didn't think about it that long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got into it, and then we got out of it pretty quickly. Yeah, I jumped. I bailed. Yeah. (laughs) You hit eject on the plastic point. Thank you so much, (laughs) listeners, for these comments. Keep those emails coming. Go to infiniteguest.org, find Conversation Parade. There's an email link right there where you could email us right out of the website itself. And also there's some lively discussion going on in the comment section. There's a comment section for each episode. There will be a comment section for the episode you're listening to right now. Yeah, get in there and holler and scream, man. We want to hear your uh, we want to hear your conspiracy theories and your, uh, your, your lightest and darkest emotional reactions. Anything goes in there. Any, any reactions you guys want to do, we want to hear them. We want to read them. I'm a little apprehensive because uh, why are you apprehensive, John? Well, we got it. We I'm going to talk about something kind of heavy. I'm going to talk about death as it relates to Adventure Time. 
okay. I can yeah. I can understand the apprehension suddenly. I can well, I can you know, it. it's something we all must face, even right. even apparently in our cartoons. You know, Tom right. and Jerry never died. The Roadrunner and the Coyote never died, but uh, in Adventure Time, there is death. And there um, is. as I looked into it and thought more and more about it, it seemed to me that death is treated much nicer than it is in the world that we live in, in the pre-Mushroom War world that you and I inhabit. Uh, Death is more of a continuation than something final or frightening. Because, I mean, not only do the characters tend to be fine with people who have died, like Joshua and Margaret, the the dog parents who raised Finn and Jake, um, but it's not even really all that final death it's just a ticket to one of the one of the many dead worlds when you were talking to jesse moynihan uh he had this interest in all these dead worlds that he wants to explore in the show and, and never quite got to but there is this sense that that death is sort of part of a journey more than it is uh the expiration of life itself and I don't know. I think it causes one to then question one's stance on the issue. And it, it hmm. gets religious in a hurry because because is death the final thing or is it just another ticket to go walking around the dead world and meet some other crazy cartoon characters? I wonder how much of this somewhat enlightened attitude a lot of the characters seem to have towards death is kind of related to the fact that it, this is post-Mushroom War, and um, mm-hmm. they've just kind of been around death and that in abundance for as long yeah. as maybe some of these characters can remember. You know, I mean, some of these characters are thousands of years old. Now you could imagine the life forms that they might have seen come and go in that time. Well, you and know. even in just casually walking around the land of Ooh, you often see detritus. You see wreckage. Yeah. You see indications yeah. of, of explosions and and destruction in some way. But uh, so, yeah, maybe it is a, a kind of sanguine feeling about, well, death is just, it's part of the deal. It's part of the package. You know, you, you, uh, you can enjoy the meal, but the, the check is going to come at the end of it to some extent. But at the same time, death isn't a factor for, for a lot of the characters uh, in Adventure Time. There's at one point, Marceline refers to her father, Hunson Abadir, and, and says... He's deathless. You know, she, she <laughs> says, Finn, you can't kill my father. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean... No! You literally can't kill my dad. He's deathless. Oh. And so some of the characters are, are going to die, are bound to die, uh, and some of them uh, just will never, ever die. And, and uh, But everyone seems mostly okay with that. And I've noticed that, too. But there's a fair amount of grieving or or fear of death that I've seen, too. I was watching the, um, re-watching the Sons of Mars episode, mm. you know, where Magic Man and Jake switch bodies. And uh, so yes. Jake and Magic Man's body has to uh, serve the trial for Magic Man's crimes on Mars and he, uh, right. he gets his spirit dispersed or something via some some odd space wand and mm-hmm. um, he appears to have died and, and Finn is very, very upset. <gasps> Jakey, no! <gasps> Look, <gasps> it's the dog, the one you were prophesied to meet. I don't care none for that mess. This wouldn't have glopped if you just listen to my bro. You bugged up, King of Mars. 
the wisest, most honest super being of all time, just put an innocent dog to debt. He's so upset that uh, Abraham Lincoln, the king of Mars, uh, <laughs> sees that he made a mistake. You're right, friend the human. My judgment was less than the standard by which I judge my peers, of which I have none. I will retrieve your friend from the 37th dead world. But, you know, in that moment, Finn seemed to be very sad. And I'm, I'm guessing the reason why is, is less to do with um, Jake no longer inhabiting that body, but that uh, Jake and him wouldn't live on the same plane of existence anymore. Like, that yeah. seems to be what he was worried about more than, you know, him actually changing forms or, or that body no longer being inhabited by a living spirit. It's the separation. Right. That's what I noticed in that moment, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there are, I think it's in the James Baxter episode when they're about to get crushed to death by something and, and they make arrangements for when they're in uh, one of the dead worlds. I can't remember which. I think it might be the fifth. And uh, here's how we'll find each other because it's going to be really crowded. Finn, when we wake up in the ninth dead world, promise me you'll listen for this sound. What? Just that there's a lot of dead people there. We might get separated. I'll be the one going. <laughs> you know, it's not so bad if you at least have a buddy. It's like going to camp. You know, it's a little right. a little more fun if you know somebody at the camp. Yeah, and I also noticed, uh, not James Baxter, but in the, in the episode James. Mm-hmm. Where, and, and I'm not sure what he is, like a peanut butter wafer? I'm not sure exactly or what James... an ice cream James, sandwich? I'm not really some, sure. Something like that. Some yeah. three-layered candy deal. Yeah. But when he, you know, sacrifices himself to the goo monsters so that mm-hmm. they can survive, you know, Jake and, and Finn are, are visibly shaken by that, and they believe themselves to be going to a funeral. Right. Um, you know, PB has, you know, made another... Uh, another James, which she is, <laughs> you know, it's 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 interesting to to look at, especially that with the candy people, how she is their glob, and mm-hmm. she can create them, um, but they can die, and you know, being being anthropomorphic creatures, you know, I guess you could grow attached to them, but then. You know, what does that attachment mean? And at the end of that episode, you're not even really sh- like, you know, Jake and Finn are kind of asking each other, like, is this okay? Is this right or wrong? I can't tell. Hey, cool. Did I do something cool? Do I do something cool? I don't know, man. Yeah, it's an entirely new James. But uh, and then in a subsequent episode, there are something like 26 Jameses when he finds he finds it's to his advantage to repeatedly uh, fake his own death so that more Jameses can be created. <laughs> like like it, it, it's sort of the flip side of death, and we see it also in the the lemon earldom when right. lemon grab is is creating all these new lives out of uh, out of the candy that he and his limited number of subjects were supposed to be eating. Things spiral out of control when there's uh, kind of a concentrated overpopulation moment, when there's right. too many Jameses or too many candy people. You almost wish for more death at that point. Right. And then, you know, what What death is there? I mean, even in, in James's sacrifice, he seemed to have become a goo monster. So... yeah. And what yeah. does that mean in terms of life or death if you become a coup monster? In the Banana Man episode, when Jake appears to be having a croak dream, a, a dream that prophesies his own 
death. Uh, Jake tells Finn, When I die, my individual Earth consciousness is going to go all over everywhere while Glob tallies my deeds. What? I'm going to be all around you, in your nose and your dreams and socks. I'll be a part of you in your Earth mind. It's going to be great. Finn is incredibly upset, but it's Jake who is is not as upset by it. Like it's... Right. I, I think it gets to what you were saying. It's it's the the fear of being separated, and uh, the fear of the unknown to some extent. But that that fear doesn't extend to Jake because he explains what's going to happen, and it's all part of the plan. And uh, you know he knows that they'll be reunited in in the dead world at some point in in one of the dead worlds. Yeah, and Jake Jake you know seems to be a little bit more mature in general, so maybe he just has a better understanding of things and and pb of course seems to be ultimately enlightened but i wonder if that comes with a little bit of 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 a detachment as well um Mm -hmm. from from her creations or what it means or what the cycle of life means but then it's difficult to understand a perspective of life and death when you're thinking about somebody who's thousands of years old pb you're like a bazillion years old you're not freaking 19 what the heck (laughs) weirdo now you're making you're, you're you're reminding me of something else I noticed in that Sons of Mars episode. All right. When when Finn gets on a transporter and he's shooting to Mars, he shoots off of Earth, and through what appears to be like this pastry belt, like there's donuts uh-huh. and muffins, <laughs> yes. kind of like in the atmosphere, and he kind of has to maneuver through, and he looks back right. and he sees all these dis, all this dessert in space, mm-hmm. and and it got me to wondering, like, why is there so much candy around in general? Yeah, and I had this thought. Okay, this is gonna be this is one of my patented right. Adventure Time conspiracy theories. We're gonna need some <laughs> okay. bumper music for these. Pretty I'm soon. hanging with you. I believe that there's so much candy around because of the preservatives. Ah, and I think that all of this food is just uh, stuff that has chemical elements in it that are kind of built to last forever. Uh huh. So. And that's why it's still around. So that's why candy is one of the elements as described in the Evergreen episode and like leafy greens aren't one of those. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. That's, that's, just, that's, that's another. Uh, you just shot down my theory, John. No, no. No, I think you're on to something. <laughs> I, I think, was, uh, no, no. I, but see, I can't be because if candy was one of the base elements, that means candy exists before preservatives, therefore ruining my entire argument. Thank you very no, much, John. No, 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 no. I'm, okay, well, great. Now I'm defending your argument and you're <laughs> arguing against your argument. Because argument if, yes. can, if, candy, if candy was one of the elements... Uh, Candy has preservatives and therefore would uh, would exist as an elemental notion. I mean, unless you're talking about some sort of like old, weird European candy that, you know, <laughs> is sold by a mustachioed, portly man out of a truck or something, which I don't think we are. That's our new band name is Old Weird European <laughs> Candy. <laughs> it's our new rap crew. Yes. I can go with yes. that. <laughs> so I think, too, or I wonder, and, and I hypothesize, that some characters uh, are immortal. Some characters are, are mortal and just die and they're gone. Like, you're not—there's some amount of visitation from Joshua, Finn and Jake's dad, 
uh, in the form of some instructional videos where he's kind of a jerk. Um, but there's no talk of going to retrieve him from the dead world or, or anything like that. He seems to be gone. And then there's Finn. I see my past lives. Who we know has been. I was a comet, a butterfly, a thing. I don't know what that is, some kind of shape or a dude in another dimension. And a girl named Shoko. He was Shoko? He was Shoko, yeah. Oh, wow. Now, because wait, there was, <laughs> there's a skeleton of Shoko under the treehouse that yeah. he had to retrieve. Yeah, the, no. uh, so that was him, too. That was him, too. Yeah, that's uh, all those those memories came back to him. And, and oh, he had been wow. uh, he had been Shoko. Yeah. I mean, she's very scary when you find a dead body under your floorboards, of course. But when you find out it's yourself, it's kind of OK. Death is death, but also not death. <laughs> Dude, stop saying all this crazy nonsense. It's making me messed up. So we're moving on here then, Mike. And uh, th- this is, remember when like Blossom would have a very special episode of Blossom? Oh, of course. Because they would just be talking I, about more upsetting subject matter. I, I literally, I, I named my my last EP a special episode of, and I had that exact <laughs> thing in right. mind. Like when they had the special episodes <laughs> of Full House or, uh-huh. or um, Facts of Life. Yeah. Anyway, it's a very special conversation parade because we've already talked about death, and now we are going to talk about... Oh, man. Uh, We're going to talk about a subject that's very near and dear and somehow very far away from my heart, um, which (laughs) is religion and adventure time. Religion. Religion. Death and religion today on Conversation Parade. Why are we we so uh, somber all of a sudden? What is going on with us? No, I think it's good. I think we're getting down to it. You know, we might we might have started off with more cartoony topics, but uh, you know, we've been at this show for a while now. I think we've reached a level of maturity where we're ready to confront the big issues. By the way, did you notice on Twitter somebody tracked down the name of that rhyming cat from Heathcliff that you had yes, spoken about? Yes, Wordsworth. Earlier? Yeah, I was really Wordsworth. happy to see that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And and see, and given my age and life yes. experience that was the very first words worth that i encountered <laughs> right <laughs> isn't that sad so like who is this poet ripping off the heathcliff rhyming cat <laughs> so many moments of my life like that but uh, um, we're just talking about cartoon cats to avoid talking about religion but we better get started i know i know so in adventure time um there are a lot of exclamations of glob oh my glob mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's probably the most popular. Is that some excited character says, "Oh my glob!" Oh my glob, you guys! And um, you start to understand that uh, that's the word that they use for God in a lot of senses. And um, for the most part, you kind of just uh, think of it as that. And and until they reveal that there's actually a character, a Martian, uh, actually Magic Man's older brother, who is named Grob Gob Glob Grod. And it's yes. uh, it's like a Martian deity, maybe a good word for him, with uh, with four heads and four kind of uh, personalities. And uh, if if you listen to the show, there, you know, I only noticed for a while that characters were saying "glob," but there's actually uh-huh. moments where they say "oh my gob," "oh my grod." Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There's there's different moments where if you listen closely, they'll they'll use the other names too. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! There's a moment when um, I forget which episode it is, but Finn can't find anybody, and he's wondering if they're all 
somewhere off worshiping oh, gro- yes. Glob. When he gets his legs broken by the deer. Yo, is everyone at church? Worshiping Glob? You know, through the character of Glob, for Grob, Gob, Glob, Grob, I wanted to try to understand um, how the show itself treats um, religion. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and one is, is with that character who's kind of a flawed character himself. He ends up ultimately sacrificing himself, sending himself headlong into what he thinks is a comet. But it turns headed out to Mars. actually... Yeah, headed for Mars, and he's upset because it's off schedule and it's supposed to be headed to Earth, which I, which I guess he would have been fine with. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it hits, it's headed towards Mars, and it's off schedule, and he can't figure out a way to destroy it. So he sends himself headlong into it, I guess imagining himself to be sacrificing himself for the good of Mars. And uh, it just turns out to be Martin's spaceship, which is uh, which he's lost control of. And, um, you know, it's an interesting thought that, like, the character that other characters worship could be kind of dumb enough to <laughs> sacrifice himself for mostly no reason, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, you view Glob as one entity with four uh, faces and four different personalities, but essentially one being? Or do you see Grob, Gob, Glob, Grod? as four different beings who are fused together in the same body, basically. Hmm. I would say one being mostly because I've never seen four beings agree that much. (laughs) I don't know. Like, could you imagine the amount of conversations it would take for four beings to agree to kill themselves quickly? You know, right. Yeah, right. I, I, so you I think, think there's a single brain and then four different I, yeah. expressions? Something like that, where like it's a single entity with just kind of four different ways of expression. This is really a monotheism versus polytheism kind of debate, or at least a uh, a God versus the Trinity of Father, Son, Holy Spirit kind mm. of uh, kind of debate. I also noticed that glob that this thing. Uh, like you said, is flawed and isn't so much a creator and supervisor as we might uh, see from the traditional Judeo-Christian God, but is sort of a just a, a, a security guard against against comets. In in some sense, yeah. And and actually, I think you know that glob cares far more about Mars than than uh, anything that's really happening on earth and but then again you know you know you don't too often get the sense that um glob has done anything to encourage glob worship on earth either so right it's it's kind of a question how that even developed yeah i mean like lemon grab says to princess bubblegum you're my glob you're my glob because she created him but i i don't know are we to then believe that that glob had some role in the creation of of life in ooh on on earth i mean is i think for some of the the characters in adventure time glob is just a an exclamation the way we might say oh my god now right. but not be talking about god right but in how uh, lemon grab says you're my glob um and in some characters are thought to be worshiping glob it is certainly implied that there is that 
Judeo-Christian creator relationship. Right. It just never seems to have been uh, put forward by Glob itself. You know, right. even and even you know when Glob came to Mars personally to um, to apprehend Magic Man, neither it or did anybody on Earth seem to make much of a fuss about it, which is interesting. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really in the papers. Well, so let's uh, talk religion, but let's move off of Glob for a moment because there's other characters kind of play God themselves or play glob themselves to some extent. This isn't a singular religious society. Some some of the characters deem themselves to be God. Well, now I definitely had been thinking of some, some situations on the show where there was a certain godlike relationship between one character and some others. Like when Finn had the little people and he was kind of mm -hmm. creating their world and he was kind of instigating things and he was kind of meddling in their affairs yep. and kind of experimenting on them. And then he had to like break certain um, like dimensional planes to, to communicate with them. I made you do those crummy things. I'm why you guys is fighting. I'm the big you. I came to apologize. I will never interfere with your lives again. So he was, of course, flawed in that position. And, um, Another example that sprang to mind to me was when um, Finn found Martin pretending to be the tree spirit. Finn! What the heck are you doing here? What? You're just yelling at me. No, no, no. That was the tree spirit. Commander of all trees, bringer of hard times. Dad. You're not falling for it, huh? Well, it was worth a try. Um, and I can't remember the name of those little white creatures that he was... Um, that he was manipulating at the time, but he definitely had that sort of uh, that that you know Judeo-Christian burning bush kind of relationship, where <laughs> as the tree spirit, he was commanding them to do certain things that he was basically just too lazy to do on his own. But wow. you know, I, I wanted to touch on a couple more things in religion, um, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier too. But the leaning toward reincarnation and how Finn's been mm -hmm. reincarnated—that seems to speak to something in terms of spiritual matters too um and i'm really i like thinking about finn and the reincarnations um and, yeah. and i didn't realize that shoko was one uh i was aware of the butterfly and i was aware of the comet and i think it's so interesting that like he like he was a comet a comet was a person but then like also the lich i believe was a comet as well yes and it, it leads me to think, wow, like what, what is this, you know, the purple comet going to bring? You're talking about the most recent comet, right? Right. I mean, that brought the, <laughs> I don't know how to describe the being, so I just call it Tignataro because that's who did the voice. Right. <laughs> and so Tignataro, uh, the, the comet, uh, offers Finn a chance to go into this other realm of existence, this other plane of reality or, or something. And, and Finn decides not to because he wants to see how the real world that he's been living in plays out. He wants to see, wants to see what his meat self ends up doing in the meat world. I mean, what is, right. is that a religious statement? Is that a statement on, on humanism or self-determination or fate or destiny or something do you think I, you know i think in that in that case it's a it's a choice of you know our hero choosing kind of a materialist reality over um wanting to explore a complete 
you know, a complete range of spiritual experience. And I guess, you know, Martin, having lived a longer meat life, it does mm-hmm. seem to make more sense that he would want to uh, explore different realms of experience. But, you know, it, it all brings me back to when Grob, Gob, Glob, Grod did mm-hmm. sacrifice himself and um, Finn woke up from that dream uh, on the astral plane and he said, he turns to Jake and he says, Glob is dead. In that episode too, I was watching that the other night with uh, with my wife and she hadn't seen it and she's like, wow, there's a lot going on in this one where, mm-hmm. where uh, Finn leaves his body and his spirit is just sort of floating around. It goes to visit Mr. Fox for a little while and then uh, goes and goes up to the cloud kingdom, does a bunch of things up there, watches what's going on. And it's an example of Finn just saying yes to everything. He's like, this thing is happening to his spirit. His spirit is separating from his body, but he doesn't get upset about it. He just says, oh, okay. And uh, just sees where it goes. And then that's mentioned in the episode where Finn uh, decides to go back to, to earth after all. Uh, several episodes down the line uh, where they talk about the positivist philosophy of just sort of saying yes to things right. and, and going along with things. And so I don't know if that's a religious or spiritual uh, philosophy or just sort of an operative philosophy for getting around in the world. Yeah, it seems to be more of a functional kind of philosophy, but yeah. that seems to be where the values of the show lie a little bit more than, you know, um, esoteric or metaphysical matters necessarily just saying yes to stuff say yes Nikki Yang is a storyboard artist and writer who has worked on shows such as Clarence, Gravity Falls, Family Guy, and Adventure Time. She's better known to Adventure Time audiences as the voice of both BMO and Lady Rainicorn. Nikki Yang thanks for joining us thanks for having me Actually, I listened to uh, one of the episodes, just want to know what the show is about, uh-huh. and I learned a lot. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get started with Adventure Time originally? I made a short with the um, Federator Nickelodeon, uh, the same time with uh, Penn, mm-hmm. when Penn was uh, making Adventure Time. Penn Ward. And uh, we went to school together, but we wasn't that close, mm-hmm. but... Because his office was right next to me, and then we got to know each other. And, yeah, because I speak Korean, he asked me to do the voice uh, of uh, Lady Rainacorn. Uh-huh. So I auditioned it, and then I got it. And that's how I uh, started uh, voice acting for the show. And then later, like, he asked me to if I want to uh, write and draw for the show. So, yeah, I, I took that job, and, yeah, it's, it was great. So you started... Uh, voicing Lady Rainicorn before you ever worked on the show as an artist then? Right. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. So Lady Rainicorn always speaks in Korean. Was that the plan from the beginning that that she would not speak English? Yes. (laughs) Pen knew that he didn't want any subtitles. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Which was very clever. (laughs) Does Pen speak Korean? No. (laughs) I think he, he knew some sentences. When we were at CalArt, there was a lot of Korean students. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so he, he knew a couple sentences, like, you know, but not really. <laughs> so when you're playing Lady Rainicorn, and I, and I have questions about BMO here as well, but let's let's stick with Lady Rainicorn for now. When you're playing that part, uh, how do you get the scripts in English, or is there a Korean writer involved? How does that work? 
Oh, English. In and English. then I, I translate it. Okay. Yeah. And then so they always double and triple checked that I didn't change to anything nasty or okay. naughty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I understand with BMO, there was a long struggle of, of trying to figure out exactly what BMO should sound like. How did that go along and, and how did you fit into that finally? Yeah, uh, I remember that they auditioned a couple other uh, people and then they uh, tried to some uh, deep voice or some weird voice. But uh, yeah, so after I got the Lady Raina Kwon uh, gig, Penn just asked me to uh, try on some like a cutie kind of voice. So mm-hmm. I did it and then it worked out. <laughs> Had you done a lot of acting prior to playing? No, no, no not at all. I think my my acting was so flat, that's why it worked out as a robot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I read where you didn't consider yourself to be an actor. Is that still the case? I mean, you've been doing this for years now. Yeah, I mean, I'm such a lucky girl that I I started doing the acting uh, for Adventure Time, and then actually it led me to have uh, Candy Chu... the, the part of a Gravity Falls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it expanded my career, but I, I still uh, consider myself as an artist, not not actor. <laughs> Gabriel Sawa, who writes about Adventure Time for the Onions AV Club website, mm-hmm. uh, says that BMO is lonely and that a lot of the things with football uh, mm-hmm. and all these other little <laughs> activities that BMO has is a result of just being very, very lonely. I've never thought of BMO as lonely, just imaginative. Do you think Bimo's lonely? Uh, I think he is. He is lonely. Okay. <laughs> He's the only robot boy around, you know, town. <laughs> I think that's why he created uh, football. Uh, I, I love, like, I love the character of Bimo, but I love, I think I might love football even more. <laughs> uh, yeah, football is an awesome character. <laughs> oh, actually, there is a, a, a Andy's character that, uh, there's another robot. What is that? The Neptar? Yeah, yeah, Neptar. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess Neptar can be a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Bimo kind of rejects Neptar. Neptar yeah. tries to be friends, but Bimo doesn't want it. Yeah, I know. What a snob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, I uh, I enjoy Lady Rainicorn. I feel like I don't fully understand her because I've never... I don't speak Korean, so I don't understand anything <laughs> she says. How would you describe that character? Like, if someone asks, who's Lady Rainicorn, what would you say? I think she's, now she's a mother of five pup, <laughs> but she, I think she's very, like, 20s or early 30s, and uh, outgoing and very fun-loving mm-hmm. creature. And I think that's why she gets along well with Jake. Jake is kind of, uh, you know... He's a fun character, but sometimes he's kind of silly. Uh-huh. But, you know, Lady, Lady Renarcon knows how to get along with this silly silly guy who loves, you know, the human boy. Seems like more than her. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, so I think she's very like, you know, you can kind of see her next door girl that you can talk to every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in... In performing the Lady Rainicorn voice, are you doing? It's obviously different from the BMO voice, not just because it's in English, but it sounds different. Is that you as Lady Rainicorn, or is that another character voice that you're doing? Oh, it's me. It's just you talking. <laughs> yeah, me just talking normal. <laughs> okay. I mean, I know it's been a while since you've done animation for Adventure Time, but how is that uh, project, how is that show different from other shows in terms of? 
working on it as an animator? I think, first of all, like, visually is very enchanting and very surprisingly uh, pleasant. Mm -hmm. And just story-wise, it's very unpredictable, but at the same time, very... um, uh, you can connect it to very different levels. I think that's why it's uh, uh, it's uh, charming to every uh, level of uh, age group. Mm-hmm. You can connect to uh, Lady Renacon and Jake as a couple, and then you can connect to the Bimo because he's a little child. But uh, those characters are very honest, mm-hmm. so it feels like real characters. I think that's really different than uh, other show. I, I always thinking character. These characters are real, but just happen to be in the uh, magical land, which is very different than uh, the world we living. Mm-hmm. But those characters just feel we- real because they have a, a same conflict, like what we have. Like there, there's a conflict between. I mean, now it's more settled by bubblegums with the Finn and then uh, Flame Princess of Finn. Those like just everyday life thing, like your boyfriend girlfriend uh, problem. So those people have this real problem that we can connect it. That's why it's it's a charming to you know like a young adult, yeah. but at the same time for a kid like it's adventure, it's a sword, and then it's you know evil guy you can kick the butt, and so you know <laughs> I think that's why people can connect it in the many different level. Yeah. Um... There's so many characters that are involved in any episode of Adventure Time. It's such a, it's such a big world. Does right. that make it harder to work on than something like uh, Clarence, where it's just Clarence and his friends for the most part? Uh, I think I think it just uh, um, because Adventure Time ran almost like eight years now. Yeah. So uh, as a writer's point, like you can you can just uh, keep making story about uh, Finn and Jake. So it's it's naturally you expand the world of uh, around them, so that's why I think uh, the uh, Adventure Time has such a wide range of uh, characters and then uh, different world and different town and different dimensions. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a challenge to stay in the small story like between Finn and Jake, yeah. and then just uh, sometimes it's easy to go to the new characters and a new adventure. So it's a challenge to go back and forth, going to you know small scale story, and then go to the adventures like different uh, you know new characters and stuff like that. But um, I think it's it's fun to get to know new characters and you know go to explore the different dimensions. But uh, I think Gravity Falls and Clarence um, now Clarence is almost uh, reaching. Uh, third seasons, mm-hmm. so we are expanding uh, town more because it's hard to just uh, keep talking about three characters. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to just stay in the school for the most yeah. part. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to get back to Bimo and, and your voice work as Bimo. Uh, Bimo has has mostly stayed around the the treehouse, but has gone on some kind of incredible adventures and, yeah. and some episodes that were quite moving. I understand that there was there was one episode that, that moved you to tears just in, in the performing of it. Can you tell us about that? Uh, you're talking about Bimo Lost? Bimo Lost. He, yeah, yeah, he got almost, he or she got almost married. <laughs> yes, to a bubble. Yeah. Bubble? Is that you? I hear you in my head, but I don't see you. Oh no, have I gone bananas? No, Bimo. It's okay. You see, I'm finally free. I don't understand, Bubble. No, not Bubble. Air. Bimo, I'm air. 
I'd been trapped in that bubble for so long, I'd forgotten who I am. But now, I'm finally home. I genuinely, I almost cried. It was so touching, the ending. When I got the script and storyboard, I, I fell in love with it. And, um, yeah, as we recorded, and then I, I love, uh, yeah, all the dialogue and, you know, little adventure he, he took. And then, you know, when you think about it, it's really, like, traditional, like, journey kind of a story. Yeah. And yeah, you he met the three different characters. It was it was amazing. And uh, and working with Lavar Burton must have been. I I know kind of I know he was like I I was listening the uh, the rainbow the reading rainbow right. thing when I was young and yeah it was such a treat to uh, work with him. Is that ever intimidating when you get a a story like that um, where it is going to be very emotional or or bemo noir where there's oh, yeah, there's yeah. so much work to be done <laughs> or where you don't have a lot of acting background are you ever do you ever get kind of nervous oh, to yeah. do it oh yeah i mean i got so scared uh, on uh, bemo noir and as you understand like i have a really uh, strong accent yes so i have to re-record a couple lines and then uh, adventure time crew actually like my accent i think that's the one reason they uh, casted me, mm-hmm. but network people, you know, are a little different. <laughs> so <laughs> actually, we finished the recording of uh, um, Be Noir, but it got kicked back to us because some of the network people didn't understand what I was talking about. So we actually had to re-record. Oh. Yeah, so those are like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember which lines you had to re-record? Hot red pizza. That one was really hard for me. She's red hot like hot pizza pi- supper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's red hot like pizza supper. That one was hard. And then I think we record like 80% of a whole line. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Just so people can understand you a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you working on any other projects outside of the, the TV shows that you're working on? Uh, yeah. Now I'm currently uh, making... A pilot with Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's that's take my my life away now. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us anything about the pilot? It's going to be on Amazon Prime. I think I believe this November. Okay. Yeah, it's called Yoyo Toki Happy Year. Um, it's it's a one ordinary girl's journey into the uh, mystical uh, land. <laughs> and it's animated or live action? It's animated. It's animated. Yes. <laughs> well, Nikki Yang, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much, John. Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast, is a production of the Infinite Guest Network and American Public Media and hosted by Open Mike Eagle and me, John Moe. The Adventure Time end credits song that you've heard on this podcast was written and performed by Ashley Erickson. This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Thanks to Larissa Anderson, Steve Nelson, and Peter Clowney for helping make this podcast, and a special thanks as well to Cartoon Network. We want to hear from you. Go to infiniteguest.org. You can leave a comment in our new comment section. We've got a comment section for each episode of the show. You can also click on the link on that page to send us an email. And we're on Twitter. I'm at John Moe. Mike's at Mike underscore Eagle. And we're both at Infinite Guest.